Shalom, everyone. <clears throat> okay, we'll try that again. We'll try that again. Shalom, everyone. Shalom. Yeah. We are, we are, we are going to be the best of friends. Am I doing all the, this, this thing going like that? What's going on? Moving the wires? Okay, well, you'll have to control it. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Um, He's fiddling. He's doing. He's, do, he's doing something. I don't know what. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> Thank you to Pastor Aaron and to Rosie and my best friend. But, but you're still my best friend. <laughs> and to all of you for making me feel so welcome. Really appreciate that. Um, we greeted each other with the word shalom this morning. So will you turn to the person next to you and say shalom? Do you know what you have said? Yes? Peace? Good, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good, yeah. Do you know why we Jews greet you with the word shalom and we all say goodbye to you with the word shalom? Do you know why we do that? Come on. Best friend? <laughs> We don't know if we're coming or going. So we just say shalom. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes, look, um, it's a wonderful way to greet each other this morning, and we greet each other with the word peace. Um, I am a son, a brother, I am a father, a husband and a grandfather, so all of the above. And God is so good in so many ways, friends. Um, in all of our lives, uh, he takes care of all the needs that we have. Not one. Uh, not, there's there's no, no exception. All of your needs he takes care of. I remember coming here um, before the pandemic, and we had a... Uh, Passover banquet. Who was here then? Rosie was here, yes. Only two people. Okay, maybe a couple of more here. Okay, do you remember that banquet? Did you enjoy it? I hope so. <laughs> I enjoyed the food, so it was good. And, um, you know, just looking back um, at that time, uh, why do we as Jews celebrate this incredible festival of Passover. In some ways, it 
teaches us to remember remember God's amazing uh, love, His amazing goodness, His amazing kindness, and His amazing provision in every way. Forty years, Jewish people wandered through the desert, and He provided everything for them. Nothing was left out. So this morning you can be free of any concern. Be free of any concern. And have the peace of God dwell in you richly. We're going to share this morning about uh, the four feasts of Israel. Um, if you want to put that uh, in in Australian terms, the autumn feasts uh, of Israel. Have you ever imagined yourself being at a great event or period in history? No, no, we're not there yet. Leave it on the front, please. I often uh, try to imagine what it would have been like to witness uh, David kill Goliath just with one stone. Imagine the tension and the drama of that event. I've been to that place, the Valley of Elah, in Israel. Who's been to Israel yet? One person? One person? Two people. Only oh, really? What they're doing there? Okay, okay, wonderful. Excellent. Yes, yes. So, what's happened to the rest of you? You got left behind? Oh, that's no good. That's no good. You should be with uh, the parents there. But it's a beautiful place to, to visit. Um, uh, and it will do incredible things for your faith in, in the Lord. I also imagine what it would be like to be taught by the master himself. Imagine, uh, what if you one of those two lonely and depressed disciples on the road to Emmaus? You know, there they were walking along. And um, they were not happy. They had seen Jesus die on a cross. And for them, that was, that's, that was it. It was all over. It was done. Their hearts were broken. But then, the resurrected Jesus came alongside them and began to speak to them. You see, they, they didn't recognize him at first. I wonder why. You know, my Jewish people today don't recognize Jesus. They cannot uh, see him as a Jew. And for, for me, that is really, really hard. They see him as a Christian. Jesus encouraged those two disciples on the road to Emmaus... Uh, um, and he encouraged them with these words from the Gospel of Luke. You got your Bibles? Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 27. Okay, this is what it says. How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets? He explained to them, what was said in all the scriptures 
concerning himself. The scriptures that Jesus taught from was the Old Testament, you say, oh, that, yeah, it's good. Yep, uh, for us it's known as the Tanakh. What an amazing Bible study that must have been. Imagine the Messiah himself give you a Bible study of all the Old Testament scriptures that speak of him. And there are many. So today we are going to have a brief look at some of these, uh, 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 some of the feasts, uh, feasts of Israel. I'm sure that a study of these feasts must have been part of that Bible study that Jesus gave to his disciples. Because in so many ways, these feasts speak about Jesus, his mission, his life, his death, his resurrection, and also the promise of his return. They speak magnificently about the ministry of the Messiah. We can see the gospel clearly in the feasts of the Lord. And so, friends, I want you to turn with me now this morning to uh, the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, which gives us an overview of the feasts of Israel. And so, if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay as well. We are going to look at the screen, which will help us. And we're going to read uh, verses 1 and 2 from 23. So, when I count to three, you will read, please. One, two, three. God says of these feasts that they are whose feasts? Whose feasts are they? So they say they're God's feasts, not the feasts of Israel, right? Is that right? The Hebrew word for feast here is known as moed, which literally means an appointed time. Uh, these feasts are God's appointed times, his appointments, if you like. Now, some of us here, we may uh, have a diary or we may have a calendar and we uh, write things down on that or you might put it on your phone. What, uh, I don't know what you do. But uh, you do that so that, why do you do that? To remember. Now, the question is, does, you know, so... So God has these appointments. Is it because God forgets? No, no, okay. Who, who forgets? Oh, right, okay. Yes, we do. I'll tell you something. I can't remember what I had for breakfast. What was it again? <laughs> I'm naughty. I'm really naughty, yeah? Okay, 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 okay. All right, the Feast of the Lord fall into two natural distinct groups the first group of feasts are all about and associated with passover that's what i did when i came with you was here last time the story of god's redemption of his people out of bondage in egypt the first group of feasts include the feast of passover the feast of unleavened bread the feast of first fruits and also which is uh, also known as the feast of weeks uh, known to you as pentecost the second group of festivals are all associated 
with the sacred seventh month on the Hebrew calendar, which is known as Tishrei. Um, yeah. And this falls around September, October each year. Um, this group consists of the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so these are the festivals we are going to look at here today. These three feasts are unique. Thank you, co-pilot. You're doing great. And the lessons they teach us from form a natural progression of thought. The Feast of Trumpets, uh, and these are all found in Leviticus chapter 23, teaches us about repentance. The Day of Atonement teaches us about redemption. And the Feast of Tabernacles teaches us about rejoicing. So friends, if you think about it, it is necessary to first come to God with a repentant heart before we can be redeemed, uh, forgiven for our sin. And once you have been forgiven for your sin, you can truly rejoice before the Lord your God. And so, let's look at that first, uh, that first festival now, which is uh, the Feast of Trumpets. Thank you, co-pilot, you're doing good. We are going to read 23 to 25 again. One, two, three. When last did you read Leviticus 23? I don't know. But uh, Okay, maybe it's not your daily reading, but you're doing it today. The, this feast is called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh, head, head of uh, the civil here on the Jewish calendar. Um, because uh, uh, this feast is... Uh, really quite uh, special and lovely in the Jewish community. Uh, we will all get together uh, in our homes, uh, moms, dads, uh, grandparents, uh, grandchildren, all of us, and we'll have a really special meal, lovely meal. The most outstanding feature of this feast is the blowing of trumpets. So this morning, do I have anyone here who is a musician? Do any musicians here play any instruments? Oh, you do? What? What, what, what? what do you play, sorry? The cello. And the piano. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Are you the only person that's a music musician here? Nobody else? I think you guys are shy this morning. You don't want to... Don't want to, don't want to help me. Really, you don't want to help me. I don't know why. As suggested by the name, in fact, the name Rosh Hashanah does not appear in your scriptures. But rather, the Bible calls this feast Yom Truah. Uh, when you translate it, it literally means the feast of the blowing. God commanded the Israelites to comm commemorate the start of the sa sacred seventh month by the blowing of a ram's horn known as a... What was that? Hey, very good. Shofar. Yes. And it's not that guy that drives that long limousine who is known as a chauffeur. Yes, indeed. A shofar. Um, 
Uh, it's a very important part of Jewish heritage, and they are blown on all important religious festivals. Now, I brought with me this morning my shofar. Um, it's not a ram's horn, as you can see. <laughs> this is uh, all the way from Africa. Um, this is a kudu horn. And so um, uh, you get different sizes of the shofar. You get uh, the small ram's horn. Me? No? That's why I brought it. <laughs> no? Um, you get the small one, which is called a ram's horn. You get the uh, medium-sized one. And then you get the large that you see here this morning. My musician over there, come here to me, please. You are a brave young lady. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I know that. Because you, you're the only one that, that said something, which was great. I want you to give, give this a go. Just, oh. just uh, this morning, okay. that is the piece that you blow through and hold it as you are most comfortable. Now, you, you know a little bit about musical instruments. Uh, with a trumpet, you would purse. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's exactly the same with that. It's exactly the same with that. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> What's your name? Emma. Oh, Emma, you amazing. <laughs> it's a, keep going, keep going. Not sure, not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking, like, I think that's That would be a little bit difficult. I might call somebody else as well. Yeah, someone else, please. Now, who's the brave person? Emma, who's the brave person here? Oh, you can I'm nominate Chris, anyone. Chris. Who's Chris? Chris. <laughs> Who, is that Chris? Yeah, that's Chris. Chris, come forward. <laughs> Do not hesitate. Emma, I want you to give the biggest clap for Emma that you ev ever oh. had. <laughs> You're an amazing sport, Emma. Thanks, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be hard to blow through that one, but this one. Yes, yes, there you go. Again, keep going. Keep going. You sure you haven't done this before? Chris, you're amazing. That is awesome. I love it. You know that um, there's a person uh, in, uh, in, uh, in synagogue uh, who would learn to blow this instrument for seven years <laughs> because you make different sounds with it. It's not just one sound, which, and you did awesome. Um, <laughs> but... The, yeah, the, it's an it's a animal product, so each one is different. And it's just amazing. It really is lovely. God commanded the Israelites to commemorate the start of that sev sacred seventh month by the blowing of that, which is called a shofar. The ram's horn reminds us about the story of when Abraham nearly sacrificed his son Isaac. 
if it was not for the ram's horn caught in the, yeah, in the bush, right? Um, then Abraham would go have gone ahead and sacrificed his son. And then we wouldn't have Jewish people, nor the Bible, nor Jesus, and the disciples. And neither would I be with you here today. The sound of the shofar had several major uses for the nation of Israel. Firstly, it was sounded to gather an assembly before God. And you can see that in Numbers chapter 10, verses 2 to 4. It was sounded as a battle alarm. You can also find that in Numbers chapter 10, verse 9, and Judges chapter 3, verse 27. And it was then also used to sound and announce the coronation of a new king. God wanted the trumpet blast to get the people's attention, to stop them in their tracks. The sound of the shofar is a call to prepare oneself for the coming of the awesome day of atonement. It is said that at Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year, God judges the whole world, including all of creation. And so the trumpet blast was a call to fear and trembling. It was a call to repentance. So Rosh Hashanah poses us all with a problem. The problem of God's divine judgment. All of us stand condemned before God. All of us are sinners. Whether Jew or Gentile, we have fallen short of the holy standards of God. You know, uh, the psalmist uh, says uh, in Psalm 130, he says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. There's another one in Psalms. I think I might have that there as well. Is there? Uh, not that one. So we'll go back to the other. The only way to escape judgment is to repent, to turn from your sin, and to ask God for forgiveness. And so Rosh Hashanah has, teaches us about the need for repentance. There is forgiveness. And this is what leads to the awesome and dreaded day of atonement. You either lived or died according to God's will on this day. And so we go now to Leviticus uh, 23, verses 26 to 28. One, two, Thank you. The Day of Atonement in Hebrew is called? Thank you. Yom Kippur. In Hebrew, and so the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, this is what it is. The day provided by God for the forgiveness of sin. Rosh Hashanah has taught us about the need to repent. Yom Kippur teaches us about the need to forgive. 
First of all, Yom Kippur was to be a holy gathering, a worship event, drawing people closer to God. Second of all, it was a day for all Israel to afflict their souls and deny themselves in the form of fasting for 24 hours. And thirdly, and the most important, this day was a time to bring special sacrifices before the Lord. Two male goats had to be selected by the high priest. One would be sacrificed and offered before God, and the other would be called the... Yes, the scapegoat. It is very interesting to note that the Hebrew word for scapegoat is known as Azazel. The root of the word Azazel means removal. The name of and the action of sending away of the goat was designed to teach the Israelites that once their sins were forgiven, they were also forgotten. The slaughtered goat would show the Israelites that the penalty of sin had indeed been paid for. The reason that God required these sacrifices was because sin separates us from God who is holy, and therefore each sinner's name is written in the book of death. The sacrifice was an offering made in the place of the sinner as a substitute so that the judgment fell on the animal and not on the person. I do have this one, co-pilot, Leviticus, uh, again, 17. Thank you. God explained this to Moses in this way in Leviticus 17, verse 11, 1, 2, 3. Thank you. The entire temple worship was centered around this law. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. And this still applies to all of us today. Whether you, we are uh, Jews or Gentiles, uh, uh, because the God who made that law thousands of years ago is the same God we have today. When you went to Israel, did you go to the old city, Rosie? You haven't been. You have been. You've been to the old city? Lovely. Have you been to the Western Wall? Yes. So uh, that's, uh, that's not the actual wall of the temple. That's just the foundations. Um, yeah, it's an amazing space. That a very, um, yeah, very, very moving place. Um, so... There's no longer a temple. The place where the sacrifices must be made was destroyed by Titus and the Roman armies in 70 AD. So we as Jews do not have a place in which we can do sacrifices. We therefore cannot fulfill God's command for our atonement. So the question is, how can we be forgiven for our sins as Jews? And more importantly, the question stands, who will atone for us? Now, Judaism's answer uh, came without temple sacrifices because the temple was destroyed. And they, be they began to teach that forgiveness of sin can be earned in three ways. Firstly, repentance, teshuva in Hebrew, prayer, tefillah, uh, and good deeds, tzedakah. 
But I ask you this morning, is this the biblical answer to the dilemma, who shall atone for us? It is not. For one can never know if you've done enough good deeds to warrant forgiveness. So what is God's answer to the problem of atonement from sin? God's answer is found in Jesus the Messiah. When John was baptized in people in the Jordan River, his gaze fell upon the form of another Jewish man coming down the hill. It was his cousin. His name was Yeshua. You know him better as Jesus. And this is what John proclaimed. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away thee. Yes. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Hey, that's an awesome... Lord, thank you. Wow, man. Man. Chris, that's it. You and whatever happened there, you're in sync. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus is the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for us. His blood was shed on the cross to bring us forgiveness for our sin. We don't need a temple anymore for Jesus is our temple. We don't need high priests anymore for Jesus is our great high priest. And we don't need sacrifices anymore. For Jesus is our final sacrifice. The greatest day of atonement happened 2,000 years ago for you and for me when Jesus died on the cross. For all of us. And he provided eternal atonement. I know that my sins are forgiven because I have received the Messiah into my life. Jesus said of all of us who have received him into our lives in Revelations 1, 2, 3. If we believe in Jesus, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life for all eternity. And we can praise God. The third feast. So we've done the first two. What were the first two? Tell me again. Help me. Yes? Yes? And atonement. And that represented repentance and forgiveness. Eh? Redemption. The third one is the Feast of Tabernacles. And so once our sins have been forgiven, we can truly praise God and rejoice. And that is what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. One, two, three.
you. The Feast of Tabernacles or Booths is called Sukkot in Hebrew. God commanded this feast to remind the Israelites that to celebrate the fact that he provided shelter and food for them in the wilderness, in that uh, desolate place uh, for 40 years. And he looked after his people in very hostile conditions. So devout Jews today build little temporary shelters outside of their houses. If you come to the Holy Land of Eastern Kilda, you will find us building those booths. And you can see what they like. And if you are in Israel at that time, you will see TV antennas sticking out of them. I'm not sure that's what God had in mind, but anyway, there you go. It's a lovely time, uh, and uh, it's full of joy. The Feast of Sukkot also reminds us of how the Lord's presence guided the Israelites in the wilderness by a pillar of cloud, yes, by day, and a pillar of by night. Yishachinah. His glorious presence guided them through the wilderness. God's glory is one of the central themes of this feast. And this feast most beautifully is most beautifully filled by Jesus, who is the very glory of God in the flesh. Before I go to these next two scriptures that I want to, uh, us to read this morning. Um, yes, it was. Last weekend, um, so I have two children. My daughter is married, and my son is about to be married in two weeks' time. <laughs> and um, he had uh, uh, last uh, last uh, Saturday at synagogue, he had um, an, a calling up. It's called an ufruf. Uh, in synagogue, uh, the all all males before they uh, enter into um, into marriage are called up. Uh, to the bima, it's a quite a large platform where you would uh, open the scrolls, and that's where you read from. And so he was called up to the bima to do just that. And uh, after his prayers and so forth at the, at the bima, uh, we threw sweets at him. It was a really happy time. Sweets is for a sweet marriage, sweet marriage, a beautiful marriage. And then after that, uh, all the men, 10 or more, all of us uh, joined arms and we started dancing. Dancing uh, there before the Bema and uh, thanking God, thanking God um, for his wonderful law, for his Torah, and for, um, for, for giving us the way to live. It's a very beautiful it was also coupled together with this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. So it was double rejoicing, double rejoicing. Two weeks from now um, is going to be the day. <laughs> and uh, I don't know who's more nervous, my son or me. <laughs> um, uh, yes, uh, you know, God has provided him with a wonderful bride, beautiful lady, Esther. Um, so uh, God knows what he's doing in our lives. He is able to work through all of the threads and the, uh, the things that need to be worked through so that uh, we can live lives which are honoring to him 
another example I want to share with you this morning and why I want to share this. So I ask you to pray for Samuel, that's my son. Pray for him in two weeks' time that um, he'll know before whom he stands. He'll know who, before whom he stands. He'll know who God is. He'll know, he'll know the Messiah. I love that. There it comes again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Another example uh, I want to share with you this morning is that uh, I'm a missionary uh, uh, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in the Jewish community here in Australia and also beyond. Um, there's a young man that uh, I'm busy uh, working with at the moment, who uh, is he's Israeli, he lives here in Melbourne. Uh, he's a single father. His wife died about four years ago of cancer, and so he has to raise his daughter now uh, on his own. Uh, he's a uh, he has to be mom and dad in uh, in the house, and he's really struggling with that. His name is also Barry, <laughs> Barry Levi. That's his name, and I spoke with him just a, a few days ago, not long ago. And he was so angry. He was so angry, you know, uh, with all the stuff that, he, that was going on. Uh, you know, when you turn on the television, all you just see is this suffering, this pain, the death. It just doesn't end. And he says, why? Why? We as humans, why do we do this? Why are we doing this to ourselves? And he just poured out in lament and I just listened to him and then when I had a chance I turned to him and I said Barry there's um, something I want to tell you and maybe you will uh, agree or not agree with me and that is we have something broken inside of us each and every human being has something broken inside of them and there's only one who can fix it? If we give him the chance, if we give God the chance, if we surrender to him fully, he'll fix us. And he, he listened. He said, yes, but he was still greatly um, disturbed. I'm praying that, that, that this young man, with all of his own uh, uh, issues that he has, um, will know who Jesus is through the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot save one person. We can do a job. You know, we can help people. Uh, we you know, can, can pour out our lives. It cannot save anyone. But I know that God can. He's done it in my life. I know that God can bring us to the place where we surrender all before him. Please pray for Barry, that he would come to faith in Jesus as his Messiah. The Gospel of John, co-pilot. One, two, three.
you're doing well with the Hebrew. That's great. <laughs> the book of Hebrews says it this way. Go pilot. One, two, three. In a most remarkable way, Jesus is the glory of God in the flesh. He came to dwell or tabernacle among us for a while. Before he left, he promised to send the Holy Spirit who would come and dwell in our hearts. You know, my people, the Jewish people, they say, yes, at the very least, Jesus was a Jew at the very least. But they will not go further than that. They don't see him anymore. They don't recognize him because what they see uh, are his followers. Are his followers. And they say, we can't see anything Jewish here. It's an interesting thought I ask you to think about um, on that one. Um, we too, uh, as believers in Jesus, are tabernacles of God. Uh, Paul put it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Can you read, please? In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, we see Jesus on the scene in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. He proclaimed... This beautiful word, one, two, three. The priest would go, uh, when the temple was still there, would go from the Pool of Siloam. Uh, I don't know if you went to the Pool of Siloam. You didn't get there? Okay. Um, and gather up a basin full of water and would uh, take it through to the temple uh, into the Holy of Holies um, and would be followed by hundreds of worshippers uh, who would be singing and chanting and, you know, Hoshana Rabbah, Hoshana Rabbah, you know, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. It was an awesome spectacle. Awesome, awesome spectacle. You have never lived if you, uh, if you haven't seen what happened there a couple of thousand years ago. That's what the rabbis teach. And so it was at the end of the feast that Jesus stood up. And we go to that next scripture, please. One, two, three. There's a little photo there of um, a candelabra. Thank you. And so there would be these huge candelabras uh, which were lit up very, very big, full of oil, because in those days there, were no, uh, there was no electricity. Um, so um, everything w was lit up by lamps, and uh, it, it was an absolute beautiful sight. 
Jesus fulfilled every expectation of the Feast of Tabernacles. He is the glory of God that has tabernacled among us. He is the light of the world. The eternal fulfillment of this feast is found in the book of Revelations, chapter 21, verses 2 to 4. 1, 2, 3. Thank you. There will come a day upon the return of Jesus, the Messiah, when the whole world will become God's gigantic booth. He will dwell among us. He will be our God. We will be his people. I'm looking forward to that day when he will wipe away every tear and there will be no more pain, death, and suffering. The Apostle Paul tells us that we will all be transformed at the last great trumpet blast. Chris, where are you? Come. Come. Yes, of course. You are the man. Thank you, brother. Go for it. Another one. As long as you can. It's okay? No, 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 you haven't. awesome brother that's awesome thank you thanks Chris wow 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 um, the, the last great trumpet blast I'm sure you read about that in your Bibles right now you know what the trumpet is going to sound like it's not those golden trumpets that you see here it is right here it's called the Tekia Gadola he said to the Corinthians he says this one two three moment when the perishable will be closed with the imperishable. Oh man, I tell you, I'm looking forward to that day. You know, I wake up with more and more aches and pains. <laughs> I want that new body. Okay. In the meantime, God has given us all a job to do. None of us are exempt. And this is to share the gospel message with everyone on the face of the earth even to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You say, but why are you here? You know, I mean, <laughs> shouldn't you be speaking to Jewish people? <laughs> I can't do this job on my own. And I don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. I don't know where you're going to be a week from now. I don't know where you're going to be a year from now. Maybe you're going to come across a Jewish person. And I would ask you, would you share with them the love of their Messiah, of our Messiah? 
However God puts it in your heart to do that. Would you even pray for them, perhaps? Pray for also Jerusalem. There's so much going on right now. There's so much um, where um, the uh, where Satan is trying to do his damnedest in this hour before uh, his time is completely up. That more souls will be taken down. But we are the body of we are the body of of our Messiah Jesus. You're the hands, you're the feet. You're the heart. Give it a go. Of course, that's what I do at Celebrate Messiah. That I am full-time in this work. I love what I do. I really do. Um, I can't help but be in the Jewish community. My family's Jewish. I'm Jewish. And we talk to each other and they say, you are Meshuggah. You're crazy. <laughs> that's, all, that's all they can say. You're crazy. You're mad. But I won't stop. There may be some people here today who do not know the reality of God's forgiveness. Let me tell you, friends, you can know. If you repent of your sin, turn to God for forgiveness that comes through Jesus, then you will be saved and you can rejoice in the new life that God has given for you. That is uh, the feasts of the Lord, the message. May I pray with you before I sit down? And by the way, if you haven't been to Israel, here's your opportunity. <laughs> I had to put that in best friend. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's going to happen uh, uh, January 2024. It sounds like a long time away, but actually not. <laughs> and it's called Covenant and Grace. And uh, it's going to be uh, of Israel and Petra. And uh, also, I've got a book table out there before I forget. Um, it's got our newsletters on. Um, this is one of the recent ones. Uh, if you don't get it and you would like to get it, would you uh, just put your name down uh, and your email or, you and or your address? You can get it physically as well and we'll send it to you. Uh, what I'm talking about today is uh, Messiah in the Feast of Tabernacles. So have a look at the books, friends. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you, Lord, this morning for this beautiful day that we are so far uh, enjoying, Lord. I thank you for Pastor Aaron, Lord. I pray you give him good rest, Lord God, and um, uh, where he is, and bless him, Lord. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here this morning, Lord. I thank you for every family that's represented in this church, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, for Wangaratta, and uh, Lord, yes, yes, uh, indeed, this congregation is the good news uh, to the people of, of Wangaratta. Lord, may uh, you work in 
your sovereign way through each, each heart and mind here, Lord God, to reach um, the lost, Lord God, in, in this city of Wangaratta. Thank you, God, for everyone here. I thank you, Lord, that you know every need that is represented here, Lord God. Lord, before we can even speak it, Lord God, you know it and you do hear our prayers. You do answer, Lord. I know that. I know that, Lord God. I pray, God, for, for each and every one here, Lord, uh, that those needs will be met, whatever they are. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Shalom.